Roger that, Houston. All systems spied by Fox. But what if there is no tomorrow? There wasn't one today. Welcome to the Nerdfest podcast on our show. We've got Andy Chandler, Karis Gibson, Peter Johnson, John Farley, and I'm Hazel Burton. On our show today, we've got a bump around of film buff or film bluff, and we'll be getting to know a new nerd. So let's start the show. Now you'll have heard a new name amongst those intros. So whilst Dan is enjoying a mini moon and Ian is on some sort of super secret operative for his work, we have invited a good friend of ours, Keris, to join us. How are you, Keris? I am so excited to be here. Thank you so much. I love the show. I'm so happy that I'm here. Thank you. It's actually your third time on Nerdfest because you joined us for the live show oh, back yes. when we could be in the same room together and do live shows last August. And you've also appeared as a listener question. So, yes, third time lucky. I don't know. <laughs> Can I ask what a mini moon is? Uh, <laughs> it's when you've bitten halfway through a Jaffa cake. <laughs> I assumed it was Dan just showed like a little tiny bit of arse crack. <laughs> in a in a seductive manner while looking over his shoulder and smiling. No, that was last week, remember, when he posed for us? Yes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that is true, but, you know, out of context sounds very bad. <laughs> a surprisingly hairy back. I thought it was very tastefully done. I loved it. <laughs> a friend of mine many, many years ago went to a gay bar and it was like a bear place. So if you know what a bear is, it's, it's a large, hairy, homosexual gentleman. And um, he was enjoying a lollipop <laughs> and he went to get his lollipop and it had disappeared from his hand mm. and he turned around to see it stuck to the back hair of a, 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 a large homosexual <laughs> gentleman who was dancing next to him. You, you did actually mean a lollipop, I, <laughs> I I believe it was a genuine yeah. lollipop. He didn't retrieve the lollipop or chat to the gentleman from what I understand. So, Keris, as a long-time listener of the show, you'll know that we descend into all sorts of tangents. And, what, two minutes in, we're talking about bears and lollipops, when we were meant to be getting to know you. <laughs> That's okay. I recently learned that the name for a smaller bear is an otter. <laughs> really? <laughs> That's something that somebody told me. Have you ever had a tarka curry? I have not. It's like, it's like a chicken curry, but it's a little otter. <laughs> 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 oh, oh dear. So, Karis, tell us all about yourself. What nerdy things are you into? What's your movie taste? Let us into your world a little bit. I exclusively watch horror movies, if I'm honest. John and I talk a lot about different horror movies we recommend a lot. Um, there's a lot of classic horror films that I haven't seen, though, for some reason, that John is shocked and outraged by. Jaws was the, the main one, I think. <laughs> That definitely qualifies as a classic, but some of John's opinions on what is classic <laughs> are slightly suspect. Mm -hmm. So d don't listen too much to what he says. Kerish, you must come back and fill your shameful gap with Jaws. <laughs> I would love to. An American world in London you've never seen. And there was another one, Candyman. Uh, Candyman. Candyman. Oh God! You've not seen Candyman. Has anyone else seen Candyman? <laughs> <laughs> For years, I was calling it Candyman. Like, there's more of Candyman. them. That's a sequel, like Aliens. <laughs> I'm very much considering getting a subscription to Shudder. 
It's like £30 for a year's subscription at the moment, and it's got Mandy on it, so it's worth it just for that. It's got to be worth 30 quid not to have to watch Mandy. Mm-hmm. I can't wait to watch Mandy. You've got a strange connection, haven't you, Kevis, to Mandy? <laughs> uh, yes, I have a, a friend who was in Mandy. In the biblical sense? <laughs> who played the Cheddar Goblin. Wow. And that means nothing to anybody else, but uh, I actually own a Cheddar Goblin. I have a replica Cheddar Goblin in my house. <laughs> At this point, John would normally go fetch it, show it to everyone on video. I think I've shown Kevis my Cheddar Goblin before. <laughs> oh, that sounds terrible. <laughs> I have seen your cheddar goblin. It is delightful, John. Mm-hmm. <laughs> John and I often go away from the camera and come back showing each other our different... Um... Body parts. <laughs> <laughs> I've got a little gremlin that I like to show him. <laughs> I've never heard it called that before. <laughs> and I've got a big chicken. <laughs> <laughs> Kevis will often message me and say, I want to watch this film. What do you think of it? We're going through a lovely phase right now of watching the worst kind of horror movie we can find on Netflix. But there are also movies that you can catch on Netflix that are good. So, for instance, Darkman. That was great. I absolutely love Darkman. It's my favourite comic book movie that's not based on a comic book. Oh, I thought it was. No, it's not. It's Samurai Army, isn't it? Yeah, it's it, it's not actually based on a comic book. I think they tried to get the rights to a similar comic book character, but it fell through, so they essentially just created their own. And Darkman is the great bridge between like early crazy Evil Dead Sam Raimi and you know, Spider-Man blockbuster Sam Raimi, so it's still got a lot of that craziness in book. Um, my favourite Darkman story is Universal took it away and re-edited it, and Sam Raimi was about to take his name off it. But instead of doing that, he sneaked into the studio over the weekend. So Universal did their edit on the Friday. There was the press screening on the Monday. Sam Raimi and his editor sneaked into the Universal Studios on the weekend and put all their stuff back into it. So when it was done for the press screening on the Monday, it was too late. (laughs) The special effects around his face are amazing. You you do realise those were other actors, Keres. It wasn't actually a fake mask he was putting on. They had him looking like he was putting the mask on, and then they switched to a different actor. Oh, I'm so disappointed. They didn't make him look exactly like Bruce Campbell at the end, via lots of makeup. They just put Bruce Campbell in. That is a shame. I still had a delightful time. (laughs) Um, So I was watching Life Force recently on Netflix, and I believe you saw it with Ian when it first came out at the pictures, and Ian said that he loved it. Ian is correct. (laughs) That was brilliant. It's got Patrick Stewart and naked vampire ladies. What's not to love? He really got slapped about in that, didn't he? He did. <laughs> was he also a slap head at that point? <laughs> <laughs> Have you seen Patrick Stewart in Coronation Street in the 1960s looking exactly the same as he does now? Back when Coronation Street was in black and white, Patrick Stewart appears as a fireman. He has about two lines and he looks identical. But everyone talks about Paul Rudd. Patrick Stewart is sci-fi's Paul Rudd. Yeah, he has looked the same for the last 60 years. Mm-hmm. Except Patrick Stewart's always looked old and Paul Rudd's always yeah, looked Yeah, I think Paul Rudd's got the better deal. Paul Rudd's always looked 20 and Patrick Stewart's always looked 70, so... <laughs> <laughs> oh, did you see Paul Rudd handing out free cookies to people who were waiting to vote in line in, in Brooklyn? There's just no end to how amazing have you, he is. Have you seen the Paul Rudd PSA about wearing a mask? No, I don't think so. I've, I've seen... Um, uh, a montage of Paul Rudd dancing, which is if ever having like a really really low moment, mm-hmm. watch Paul Rudd dancing because it's just wonderful pick me up. But no, what's the the mask one? It's a 
wear the mask uh, public service announcement, but the gist of it is that the governor has hired Paul Rudd because he's a teenager <laughs> <laughs> to speak to the kids, which he speak does very, kids. very badly. Yeah. <laughs> but it's, uh, it's really funny. It's worth a watch. Hazel, <laughs> we have uh, a copy of Life Force on DVD on our shelf. Uh, I seem to remember that back in the mists of time, you picked it out of John's sack of fun and <laughs> then brought it home and we accidentally refused to watch it. Uh, <laughs> but Keris, would you recommend Life Force to uh, a couple of people who assumed that it would be absolutely fucking terrible? <laughs> it's a lot of fun to watch. It's, it doesn't take itself too seriously, which is a great thing. Oh, I've just remembered something that really upset me. There are so many tits. <laughs> There's tits everywhere in the, the beginning of the movie. Not a single cock. <laughs> you know, not that I'm desperate to see a cock on screen, but mm. it should be fair, mm. right? Tit for tat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I, I think I can probably go a, a life force without watching that oh. film, to be honest. Toby Hooper, who directed the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, and then uh-huh. kind of directed Poltergeist, which I think we've talked about. He signed a deal with Canon Films, who made loads of shit in the 80s, and they all flopped. And then the third one was Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2, which was just a, I need to make something that's going to make money. But Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2 is hilarious. So if you see the first one, it's a really brutal, horrible horror, but there's not actually any blood or anything in it. The second one is just a gory, funfair ride. You've got Dennis Hopper having a chainsaw duel with Leatherface, you discover that Leatherface has whatever the chainsaw equivalent of erectile dysfunction is. So there's a bit where... He can't get his chainsaw. Exactly, yeah. So there's a bit where he's chasing like the, the, the final girl and he has her down laid on the floor and he comes towards her with his chainsaw in a rather penile position. And just gets really upset because his chainsaw won't work whilst his family point and laugh at him. Probably needed to oil it up. That's yeah, that's what he needed. <laughs> Okay, so now let's do a round of Film Buff or Film Bluff. And for anyone who hasn't heard this before, we've all got three facts, but one of them is made up. So we have to try and work out which one is the bluff. John, would you like to go first? What I have is changes between films and the books they are based on. Number one, the novel of A Clockwork Orange ends with Alex, largely reformed, deciding not to be violent anymore and becoming a responsible member of society. The film A Clockwork Orange ends with Alex glorying in ultraviolence, being restored to his previous violence-loving state and looking like he's going to go on another rampage. The reason for the change is that the first American printed of A Clockwork Orange had the final chapter missing. And Kubrick didn't realise that until he was well into production of the film. Ah. Mm. The second one is Return to Me. Have we all seen Return to Me? Nope. nope. I've never even heard of it. Okay, Return to Me is a heartwarming comedy drama in which David Duchovny's wife dies. (laughs) He then falls in love with Minnie Driver, only to discover that Minnie Driver is the recipient of a heart transplant and now has the hearts that originally belonged to his wife. What a coincidence. And they fall in love. Well, in the film, they fall in love. In the original book, David Duchovny, or the character played by David Duchovny in the film, discovers that his new girlfriend is in fact a serial killer. And at the end of the book, 
has a battle with her, which concludes with him having to pull his wife's heart <laughs> out of his new girlfriend's chest to kill her. Oh, John. That's John. That's got to be John. That sounds loads better than the film. <laughs> Finally, in the original novel upon which the film Who Framed Roger Rabbit was based, not only was Roger Rabbit not framed, he was the murderer and spends most of the book dead himself after being killed early on in the narrative. Uh, I'm very surprised to hear you suggest that Who Framed Roger Rabbit was originally a novel. That sounds very, very unlikely to me. It definitely was. Who Censored Roger Rabbit was the name of the book. Hmm. The second one just sparks off every ounce of bullshit imaginable. <laughs> yep. It's very kind of you all going, hmm, like you're thinking about this. <laughs> and the third one's definitely yeah. bizarre enough to be true. Mm-hmm. I've heard the first one, uh, Clockwork Orange. I hadn't heard the reason for it, but I'm definitely aware that uh, Kubrick flipped the ending. Mm. So I believe that one. John, on, on the first one, was it the whole thing or just the reason? All either true or false. Well, I know that Kubrick doesn't typically stick to the books. <laughs> he didn't even read Stephen King's script for The Shining. He decided to rewrite the movie himself. Good. Well done, Stanley. <laughs> but even things like Eyes Wide Shut is based very loosely on a novel but just takes it as an inspiration Kubrick was a bit like Hitchcock in that respect in that they would buy a property but it would be very much just used as a spark for them to go off in their, their own direction I like that a proper artist will uh, just use a bit of inspiration and, and with an adaptation just take it in whatever direction they feel like mm. rather than too slavishly sticking to the original content I appreciate that I think you have to adapt a story for the format, but I know if it was something I'd written, I'd have been pretty annoyed. Yeah, but if you were the filmmaker, you'd probably be equally annoyed if you were shackled and had to do it the way that it was in the book. Worked out pretty well for Kubrick. Well, not really, because he burned down the most expensive set that was ever created at that studio, and even though they had all of the shots, he insisted on rebuilding it and starting all over again. He was a great artist, but he was just a bit too obsessed with perfection i think he had some foibles yes but he made some great films and would those films have been as great had he not been as obsessive should we make john suffer a little bit for the second lie that he came up with (laughs) i'd like to know a little bit more about the book the book returned to me i mean what made him dive into the woman's body to rip out his heart why did he think that was going to work well it, it, it was not kind of deliberate. It was kind of through the big battle at the end. So he found out that his new girlfriend was a serial killer. She tried to kill him and they had a big fight. And subconsciously, it's very heavily subtext that he wanted to bring his wife's heart back to pureness and wanted it out of the body of this serial killer. So by removing the heart, he both killed the serial killer and also brought himself closer to his wife. It's maybe not too different to what happened in Pretty Woman, between script and development. I don't remember. I don't remember <laughs> Julia Roberts' heart being pulled out by an angry Richard Gere. No, after she found that hamster up his ass. But the original script for that was much more unpleasant about the financial arrangement between the two mm-hmm. of them, um, and they changed all of that during development. So it's certainly plausible these sort of things happen. Have you heard the My Stepmother's an Alien story? No. So, are we all seeing My Stepmother's an Alien, the Dan Aykroyd, Kim Basinger film? No. no. It's a very early role for Alison Hannigan from Buffy, isn't it? As one of the daughters, yeah. So, basically, Dan Aykroyd marries Kim Basinger, and the kids begin to suspect that she might be an alien. 
buys things like she can pull eggs out of boiling water without burning her hands. Oh yeah, and she has a handbag with like an alien eyeball on a stalk that comes out of it. And it's like a, a silly little sci-fi space comedy with Dan Aykroyd. It was originally written as a drama about family abuse and abusive step-parents. Wow. With the, the fact that she was an alien being a metaphor for this awful presence coming to a family's life and causing upset and destruction. So he was delighted when he saw what had happened to this heartfelt script based <laughs> on his real-life experiences when he wow. sat down in the cinema. <laughs> so, you know, there is a big... There's a president. Well, I'm very impressed by all of your lying, but I'm still going to go for that one <laughs> as, the, as the bluff. Yeah, definitely number two. Yeah, me too. I, I think I would agree. I, I thought the Roger Rabbit one was quite interesting as well. Okay, you are all correct. That is the one what I made up. You would be unsurprised to know. Uh, <laughs> Roger Rabbit is entirely accurate. So the, the book is Who Censored Roger Rabbit? And Roger is actually killed early on in the book. The twist being that um, Eddie Valiant has been working throughout with Roger's stunt double a doppelganger who is can be created by cartoons. So when they do the dangerous stunts, they create a doppelganger of themselves. Mm. So the end... I always wondered how they did that. <laughs> um, so the ending is Roger Rabbit's stunt double saying to Eddie Valiant, thank you for solving the crime, and then disintegrated in front of him because stunt doubles are short-lived. Mm. That sounds awesome. <laughs> yeah, um, and the biggest change other than all those changes, is it's newspaper comic strips rather than cartoons. The idea is that the people in the newspaper comic strips are actually just photographs and the tunes speak in speech bubbles. So it's very, very different, but it's very good. I may have to buy this. Mm -hmm. Do they still have the dip? No, there's no dip. Oh, thank God. That scared the hell out of me as a kid. <laughs> oh, the shoe going into the dip. Oh. oh, no, 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 no. No, I'd rather watch Mandy. <laughs> <laughs> That's an exaggeration. I loved Who Framed Roger Rabbit. It's an overlooked Christopher Lloyd performance. He's really, really good at it. He really is, yeah. I had to improvise slightly. I forgot his buff or bluff. <laughs> so you forgot to have a bluff. Yeah. So would you, would you like to quickly hear my other one, which is actually true? Yes, please. So in the novel Forrest Gump, Forrest Gump swears constantly, shags around, and is a chess champion, astronaut, and mathematical genius. The fact that the writer wasn't entirely convinced by the film is borne out by the sequel novel, which begins with Forrest Gump telling somebody, don't never let anybody make a movie of your life. <laughs> hmm. Okay, so uh, in honour of our new president-elect Biden, fingers crossed, <laughs> recording this before uh, November the 3rd, but you know, all things being well. Um, and also the fact that um, everyone's talking about the West Wing again. So that's... Some of you never stopped true um <laughs> and a um yeah special has uh, appeared on hbo recently hopefully it'll come to uk at some point so i thought i would do we proved that hazel is completely on the side of the angels because hazel is the most anti-piracy anti-streaming person <laughs> on the world and we thought if one thing could tempt hazel <laughs> to the dark side of a torrent it would be the west wing reunion but you held firm hazel i was very proud of you i've, I've seen it a bit <laughs> Not such an angel. No, it appeared very briefly on a streaming website, which I uh, watched for 10 minutes before it was taken off. So, you know, nine tenths an angel. <laughs> anyway, so I have uh, three West Wing facts, uh, one of which I've completely made up. 
First one is the original idea of doing the West Wing came not from Aaron Sorkin, but a conversation with his friend, screenwriter Akiva Goldsman, who referenced Sorkin's The American President and suggested an idea of a TV series about the senior staff at the White House. But Sorkin said, I never, ever want to do TV. The very next day, he was due to meet John Wells, a TV producer, um, and he thought it was just a meet and greet, but Wells thought it was a pitch meeting and he was expecting to hear a pitch. Aaron Sorkin's pitch was, well, I've got this idea for a TV series about senior staff in the White House, and it all came from there. Hmm. Fact number two is, during preparation for the first season, the studio wanted the president to be not a Liberal Democrat, but rather a populist, someone who is a a wrestler or a race car driver or a football player. Anyway, they they come from the outside and they shake things up. That's who they wanted. (laughs) And the third fact is, although uh, it was cut before the show aired, Randy Newman composed lyrics to sit on top of Snuffy Walden's iconic opening score. So when I was heading down an internet wormhole, I actually found those lyrics. Would you like to hear them? Yes. yes, please. Shall I read them or do you want me to um, do it in the tune? You know the answer in to the that. In the tune. <laughs> Go for it. Okay. In the end, all is quiet. It's the only thing that's true. Until then, all you have to do is fight for all and break through. <laughs> Equal law. All freedom and life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. The West Wing. And now can we have it to the tune of the West Wing theme, please? <laughs> I was convinced till the end. <laughs> that was brilliant. I was trying to convince somebody in that Coronation Street and lyrics. It was just like, Coronation Street, Coronation Street. <laughs> Yeah, but um, yeah. Needless to say, those were those were cut, unfortunately, um, and it was it's just the orchestral score. But that's the most inaccurate use of the word. Unfortunately, I think I've ever heard. <laughs> well, I am incredibly glad that the West Wing theme does not have lyrics because I think if it did, then the special little dance that Hazel and I do um, every time we start to watch a West Wing episode probably wouldn't work quite so well. The West Wing bounce is this? What is this thing that you do? You say you have a little bounce whenever the West Wing starts. Oh, a dance, sorry. Oh, a we dance. have um, a special choreographed dance. Yeah, it's more like expressive movements. And then at the end, we, you know the, um, the, the signal from the end of season one where um, it goes like, like a whooshing moment like that? There's, there was two kind of reasons yeah. for it, but it ultimately ended up being that um, Toby's brother was safe in his space shuttle. So we do that. Do, do, do. Do, do, do. And then we do a hand slap and a click. <laughs> I, I love it It's more elaborate than that It's very high concept Interpretive yeah. stuff Yeah Very visual You'll have to show us Sometime <laughs> Some, Sometimes Yes <laughs> You'll have to make a gif Of that for people Okay I think we need to do that Yeah Now the first one I always kind of assumed That the West Wing Came from the American president Because I know it's Inspired by that And very much a follow on From that And I've heard Akiva Goldman Being involved somehow In that transition so I'm going to guess that that one is true because I think I know enough of the basic facts around that. The second one sounds fucking terrible, but we were talking the other day, Hazel, about the West Wing or messaging, and I was saying one of the things looking back, so I'm re-watching it from the beginning, is that President Bartlett isn't quite there in the first series. 
all the other characters seem to drop in fully formed, but Bartlett's not quite there. Yeah, definitely. The, the, the president um, was one of the least formed characters, mainly because they thought he wasn't going to appear. Because he was only going to be in about five episodes the first mm. season, yeah. wasn't he? It was only after Martin Sheen's absolutely amazing entrance um, towards the end of that first episode that we're like, is there something funny about the word entrance? Yes, there is. <laughs> okay. Yeah, but my sex tip. <laughs> uh, yeah, they thought, hang on, this guy's a bit good. You can absolutely believe that a studio would want to manipulate the show in such a way and have uh, a, a sillier feature like having yeah. Stone Cold Steve Austin as the president. Yeah. <laughs> Which would have been great in its own way. Yeah, they, I mean, Aaron Sorkin did have to defend quite a few things from the studio, that being one of them. The second one being where there's like some Cubans on a raft. I think it's maybe in the second episode. And they're kind of working out how they can rescue them because they're in the path of a hurricane. And the studio said, let's get Sam and Josh to go into the water and rescue them themselves. <laughs> <laughs> Why didn't they do that? I would have loved to have seen that. <laughs> Can you imagine? Bradley Whitford and his speedos running into the water. Yeah. The third one sounds ridiculous. I'm not sure if Hazel would have taken all the time to write lyrics. Hang on, you're asking whether Hazel would have taken the time to sit and write fictitious lyrics to the <laughs> Westwood theme. Well, that's a good point. She may have had them already. <laughs> <laughs> you always underestimate me, Peter. <laughs> The second one just sounds too ridiculous to contemplate, but it's the sort of ridiculous notes that a studio will give. So I'm actually torn between the second and the third one. Same here. I'm going to go for the second one being a bluff. Yeah, because no president could ever be sworn in having been an outsider and wanted to shake things up. It's just not real life. (laughs) Well, after that denial, (laughs) I'm going for the second one as well. They should remake The West Wing, but everything with Martin Sheen in, it's just re-edited with clips of Donald Trump from The Apprentice saying ridiculous things. <laughs> <laughs> but other than that, it's exactly the ah. same show. <laughs> no, God, no, 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 no. There is quite a few moments, like, obviously, we watch a West Wing episode every day and have done for years. Um, but Hang on, you just moments... said obviously in there. <laughs> yeah, obviously. Um, uh, but there Whilst are... writing the new theme tune. <laughs> yeah, there are lots of moments in the Situation Room where we're just like, oh my God, can you imagine if Trump was faced with that? And I'm sure he has been, and I just, I'm sure we'll learn about the repercussions in years to come. Mm. <laughs> I know very little about the West Wing. I've never seen a single episode. <laughs> Shame. I know. I'm very, oh. I'm very sorry to admit it. the The closest I've seen to an episode of West Wing is, you know, that Mitchell and Webb look sketch. Oh yeah. Oh, they yeah yeah they're walking down the corridor. Yeah. And it's just in a big circle. I think in the same room. Yeah. <laughs> I I loved that. Well, the West Wing has just come on all four now. On all four now, yeah. yeah. Could at least try one for sure. Or try 188. <laughs> <laughs> I love Martin Sheen. I think he's amazing. Oh, well, your love will only grow with this. <laughs> so, Karis, which one is Hazel lying about? Well, I loved the, the third one, but I would also agree knowing Hazel's love of the show. I can't imagine her writing a song. <laughs> I think we all can. <laughs> but I think I might also go for two. I am quite sure that the bluff is number three, the lyrics, because I know how much Hazel enjoyed uh, rating her buff and bluff this morning and how long she took over it. And therefore, it's, it's going to be the lyrics. Uh, it's true. I was just like, bah, I got something. Um, and I said, oh, I think I just need 20 minutes. And it only took me two minutes to write those lyrics. 
<laughs> that took you two minutes? Yeah. <laughs> Jeez, what did you do for the other one minute and 50 seconds? <laughs> oh, dear. There was some plan to create some other music. Those lyrics are completely made up, but yeah, in the end, they went for an orchestral score. Time well spent. Very much so. Karius, would you like to go next? So My Buffer Bluff is about Japanese prank shows. Excellent. Nice. <laughs> so I've got three buff or bluffs here. Tell me which one you think that I've made up. Number one, a person is going to get into a taxi. They get into the taxi and they're playing on the phone and then the taxi driver jumps out, locks the doors and fills up the taxi with water, trapping the person in until the very last second. Jesus. Terrific. That's why you don't use Uber. (laughs) (laughs) Uber water. (laughs) Uber water. (laughs) Number two. A woman is getting her hair washed in a busy hairdresser's. She has her eyes closed and a towel over her face, having her hair washed. And then the hairdresser leaves her alone for about 10 minutes. And she realises that it's went very quiet. She sits up and everybody in this busy hairdresser's appears to be dead. They're all lying on the floor. (laughs) Okay. That's number two. Right. Number three. A person is led into a seemingly empty waiting room to relax and read a magazine before an appointment. And then suddenly five men spring out from under the sofa that they sat on. And an umpire judges how long these victims scream for when they get this shock. And there is a winner at the end for the person who screams the longest. The person who is most terrified wins out this this prank competition. So those are my three buffle bluffs. Wow. Jesus. <laughs> That's going to be tough. I don't know a lot about Japanese prank shows. Um, My very, very limited knowledge of them is that they are that insane. Uh, I believe all of them. Yeah, me too. (laughs) Yeah. Mm. If I had to pick one... Which you do. If I guess which one Kevis would make up, I think the hairdressers, because it sounds like something she would find amusing herself. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. It was horrifying because, you know, I, I love horror and... This is real life horror. These are people who are traumatized. Some, sometimes they're, they're laughing. There's a video of it watching themselves and they're laughing. And there was another video that we watched of a woman who was trapped in a lift and the lights went out and the lights came back on. There was somebody else in the lift coming towards her and she was shaking. She was going into shock, but people thought that this was really funny. And it was unusual watching it with Ruben because I was saying to him, is that not scary for you? Do you not think that's horrible? And, you know, his obvious response for a six-year-old was, nah, I'm not scared. I would just punch them in the head. <laughs> so the, the the one that I made up is... Whoa, wait, 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 we need to guess. Okay, sorry. <laughs> I'm going to guess at number one. I don't feel confident about it, but I reckon filling a taxi cab with water, you're going to ruin people's clothes and personal effects. And I think you could be uh, liable for a lawsuit. And uh, the Japanese are very pragmatic and would uh, scare the pants off someone, but not spoil their shoes. So number one for me. I would have thought the very real fear of death would be enough to make the first one unlikely. Nah, it's funny. But having seen some of these shows, yeah, maybe. 
I'm going to go for Hair Salon of the Dead. Yeah, I think I'm going down that line as well. I think you'd find dead hairdressers quite funny. <laughs> well, that's a sad indictment of your hair care regime. It is, it is. Well, I was in the hairdressers the other day, get my hair done. Imagine that. Imagine just sitting up and seeing everybody collapsed on the floor. Anyway, can I tell you which one is the one that I made up? I made up the first one. Oh. Oh. However, I made it up this morning and... It, it's real. <laughs> I haven't actually officially checked that this hasn't <laughs> happened. It may well have happened. But but yeah, for sure, there, there is a prank of a woman getting her hair done and everybody is collapsed on the floor, seemingly dead. And it's quite shocking because she's actually shaking her hairdresser trying to wake her up and you can see she's clearly very scared. And the, the other one, the men springing from out under the sofa is just horrible, especially that's in your eye line. You're looking down at a magazine and then five people just jump out from under the sofa and it's a shot spring as well. So it's very fast mm. and ah, that happens surprisingly often. So like the other day I came home from work early and when I jumped on the sofa, a man screamed and ran out from under the sofa completely naked and ran out of the front door, which I can only assume was a, a Japanese prank show. Every week. Every week that happens. Every week. Still got a new pair of pants. <laughs> Excellent bluffing. Thank you. Okay. There have been very few proper movies and cinemas this year. They've been dredging the bottom of the video pile for things to release. Well, apart from John, who always watches any old rubbish anyway. <clears throat> Here are the plots of three recent releases. Which one is the lie? Number one, Shark Exorcist. A demonic nun summons Satan to a small fishing village where he takes over the bodies of a great white shark and a young woman. A chain reaction of evil grips the tiny community as shredded bodies wash ashore. A Catholic priest must fight teeth and temptation in order to send these man-killers back to hell before the tide comes in for good. You should be a voiceover artist, Peter. <laughs> In a world where sharks <laughs> yeah. need to be exercised. <laughs> they should bring those types of trailers back. I miss those. Number two. Drunk Tank. Don't get caught drunk in Huchikawa, Illinois, or it's the tank for you, where 12 of the meanest <laughs> drunks in town fight it out to be king of the tank. You can't rely on the cops to help, as they have money on you to lose. Number three. Trump versus the Illuminati. <laughs> oh, a Chinese no. clone of 45th US President Donald J. Trump survives the Earth's destruction by escaping his maximum security lab and stowing away aboard the last Chinese space-bound shuttle. Hundreds of years into the future, the human race is fighting for its survival against Illuminati forces. Trump's clone joins forces with the surviving humans to take the battle straight to Illuminati HQ in hell. But when Donald Trump meets Satan himself, he'll be in for the fight of his life. Donald Trump meets Satan himself, so a mirror. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know the answer, but I'm going to remain temporarily silent because I might have seen one of these films. Of course you have. <laughs> the Trump one is so crazy, but that's probably a reason why it's true. He wouldn't go on a Chinese spaceship, though, would he? Well, the Chinese made the clone. Why did the Chinese make a clone of Trump? Well, he's a taxpayer, isn't he? <laughs> that's where he's paid most of his taxes. Yes. <laughs> Maybe that's why. Mm. Ooh. I like the idea of Shark Exorcist. I'd watch the first one for sure if it's real. 
I love sharks and exorcisms. What's not to love? <laughs> yeah. The, the moment you think that people have run out of ideas of how to make a shark movie, you know, it, and then there's just another one. <laughs> mm-hmm. Have you seen Sharktopus? No. I've seen bits of Sharktopus. The shark with tentacles. It's great. So, Keris, you've watched Sharktopus, but you haven't seen Jaws. <laughs> <laughs> yes, uh, that's, that's shameful to admit. I have the DVD. Have you seen Santa Jaws? Santa Jaws? Is which, this real? Uh, so a kid who is, doesn't get on with his family and is a cartoonist and draws like a Santa Jaws, which magically comes to life and starts killing people. And it's literally a shark with a fucking Santa hat on. <laughs> oh, I've been thinking about new Christmas movies I can watch this mm-hmm. year. That That is going to be amazing. The drunk tank one is there's some nice little details in there, like Illinois and things like that, that made me think he's put those facts in there to throw us off. Yeah, mm. could be. So is that so? That, that's a film because it used to be. Do you remember bum, was it bum fights from years ago, where basically a guy oh. would pay Trump, which to is fight. not what you think it is. <laughs> I was very disappointed. It literally took me about five seconds not to think of two people having a fight back to back. Have you been watching my sex tapes, Peter? (laughs) Not voluntarily. (laughs) That's the real ending of Clockwork Orange. (laughs) It's nice that you've actually engaged that one rather than your usual text of please stop sending me these. (laughs) (laughs) Well, John said that he thinks he's seen one of them. um, And of those three, I reckon he's most likely to have watched Shark Exorcist. So I'm going to say that one's true. Uh, Drunk Tank, to me, sounds the most plausible of the three. Uh, So I'm going to say the number three is the bluff, uh, just because Trump is topical. I'm going to say number two is the bluff. Three just sounds so ridiculous that it's the sort of thing somebody will have made. So, like, I mean, Corona Zombies popped out about two weeks after the pandemic started. I don't think Peter have gone to the effort of coming up with a plot like that. I agree. You always underestimate me, Hazel. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, yes. And the lyrics are the theme tune for Donald Trump versus the Illuminati. <laughs> I'm sure Hazel could supply some. <laughs> yeah. Number two is the bluff for me, I think. Keris? I also think number two because number three is ridiculous, but not too ridiculous to be happening. And number one is just too brilliant. Like, that is a sellout movie instantly. <laughs> <laughs> okay, the bluff is number two, Drunk Tank. Yes. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> I knew it. Oh. Trump versus the Illuminati, I have seen. They didn't even bother making anyone up to look like Trump. Instead, the lead spends the entire movie with a space helmet on <laughs> and someone does an impression of his voice. I may have to watch that. <laughs> hey, Shark Exorcist is real, so that's good. It's all right. It's no Velocipasta. <laughs> Which is a priest that turns into a Velociraptor and does Kung Fu. Wait, does he do Kung Fu in the Velociraptor form or in the priest form? Both. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'll watch that. Wow. Andy, bring us home. My buff or bluff is on the nerd credentials of Orson Welles. Cinematic genius Orson Welles wore many hats, but how much of a nerd was he? He was best known for his acting and directing, but Welles did a lot of voiceover and narration towards the end of his career. So here are three nerdy properties with ties to the great man. Which one is a lie? Number one, Star Wars. George Lucas considered Orson Welles for the voice of Darth Vader. 
It came down to him and James Earl Jones. He even read for the part. Number two, Ghostbusters. Dan Aykroyd convinced Wells to record some dialogue for the Stay Puft Marshmallow Man, which sadly never came to fruition. And number three, Transformers the Movie. In one of his very last roles, Wells provided the voice of Unicron in the 1986 animated film. I think I know two of these are true. So I'll stay quiet for a while. I'm afraid to say I, I know for a fact that two of them are true. <laughs> I think... But yeah, I think I know too as well. <laughs> so, Karis, it's your round. It's all on me. Okay. I'm, I, I don't know. I really don't know. Um, At least Andy's glad of that. <laughs> I think that Austin Wells possibly would have read for the part of Darth Vader. Or maybe not. I'm not sure. Oh, wow. Could you read the third one again, please? Transformers the movie. Uh, in one of his very last roles, Wells provided the voice of Unicron in the 1986 animated film. That feels correct. I feel like that is something that has happened. So I'm going to go for number two. Do I need to ask what everyone else is going for? We're all going for number two. I'm guessing. Something of an anticlimax then. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you're all incredibly right. And I'm sorry. <laughs> um, I'm, um, I'm ashamed. <laughs> Oh. I know Orson Welles was almost Darth Vader, but I think in the end, Lucas said his voice was too well-known. Exactly yeah. right. He did end mm-hmm. up narrating some trailers for Star Wars. Mm. Oh, I did not know that. Yeah, I've not heard any of them. Um, I've never seen a trailer for Star Wars, actually. He hated working on Transformers, um, unsurprisingly, and when asked, couldn't even remember his character's name. He just said, I play a big toy who attacks a bunch of smaller toys. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. It's a really, really good film. It's a great film. Yeah. Oh, it's a wonderful film. You got the touch. You got the power. Yeah. I shouldn't have gone last, should I? <laughs> <laughs> Do you know the link between Transformers, the movie, and Boogie Nights? No. <laughs> Is it artificial penises? I was just about to say. <laughs> <laughs> it is. Is it artificial penises? It's not, no. Um... <laughs> So there's a bit in Boogie Nights towards the end where um, Marky Mark, or Dirk Diggler, decides he wants to be like a mainstream star and he records an album and they have them in a studio doing a really badly performed song and the song is the theme... Is it the tune of the West Wing? (laughs) No, it's it's the... (laughs) Sorry, Hazel. It's the theme tune to Transformers the Mover. You got the touch, you got the power, something, 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 something else. They don't write lyrics like that anymore. No, they don't. <laughs> <laughs> that was delightful, John. It was beautiful, wasn't it? I loved it. <laughs> but I remember being traumatised as a kid by the death of Optimus Prime. Spoilers. Yeah. For a old movie. Kids these days don't know who Optimus Prime is. I was um, trying to engage my nephew in a, you know, a proper conversation and he didn't know what I was talking about. Ruben helped me with my buffer bluff this morning. This is what he came up with. Somebody's sitting in a room and the ceiling rains butter. (laughs) I love that. But I don't know, I just didn't think it would be very plausible. So I changed it to water. And then the room to a taxi. Yeah, we changed it to a taxi. So yeah, he he had a lot of fun making up those buffer bluffs. Basically, you, my stepmother's an alien, his idea, in that you took it and completely changed it. (laughs) (laughs) I did, yes. I did. (laughs) 
And that's all we've got time for for this episode of Nerdfest. Thank you to Keris for being our awesome, awesome guest. Have you enjoyed yourself? I've had the best time. Thank you so much for having me, guys. What thing have you said do you think is most likely to be cut out of the podcast? <laughs> oh, wow. I don't know. Was I talking about cocks? It's not too unusual. You said there weren't enough cocks. I'm not desperate to see a whole load of cocks on my television. It's more <laughs> about the principle. I think that there should be one cock to every pair of tits. Yeah. I think that's it's just a ratio fair. thing. They're not equivalent, though. <laughs> Two tits to one cock. I want to know where you can buy these special bed covers that you only see in films that expose a lady's vests, but conveniently just... The L shape. <laughs> I've talked to you about my complaints about flaccid cocks in Game of Thrones, haven't I? No. no I've never watched Game of Thrones. There's a lot of cock in Game of Thrones. You, you, you'd like it. <laughs> but they, 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 they have their sexy time and then they immediately roll over and get out of bed and walk completely naked. No two bestens remaining. Almost as if they've been pretending. Yeah. Just flopping about. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> anyway, as I was saying, that's all we've got time for. This episode, <laughs> <laughs> uh, sorry, Keris, were you going to say something? Just sorry again about cocks. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that Scarlett Johansson film where she's under her skin. There's a few erect cocks in that that shocked me. So as much as I'm petitioning for more cocks on the screen. I think I spat a bit of my wine out when I saw that. I just did not expect it. But I didn't think they were allowed to show an erect penis on screen. It's got to be artistically justified. Okay. Artistically erect. <laughs> I once went into a sex shop in Manchester and had to walk around for 10 minutes before leaving. Were you artistically erect? Because <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I'm a big book nerd and I saw a bookshop and didn't see adults. <sighs> I thought, oh, a little tiny independent bookstore. I'm going to go in. And I walked in, like, and the guy behind the counter was looking at me. I thought, I'm just going to have to brazen this out now and pretend I'm here for some porn. I walked around. (laughs) So you browsed for 10 minutes and bought how much? (laughs) Just to be convinced. 1500. Yeah, really convincing. Yeah. Is Louise still in the room, Chuck? (laughs) No. Anyway, as I was saying, uh, that is all we've got time for for this episode of Nerdfest. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, You can check us out on social media. We're at Nerdfest UK on Twitter and Facebook. And it would be hugely appreciated if you um, had the time to leave us a little glowing review wherever you listen to your podcast. For which John will um, have a nice reward for you. What is it today, John? Yes. When it is your birthday, you will get a knock on the door and there will be a giant cake outside. When you bring the cake into your house, at some point in the next 30 minutes, I will jump out wearing only a sash and perform the West Wing theme tune for you. <laughs> <laughs> um, my, my birthday's in a few weeks. Um, could that be arranged? <laughs> I was wondering what they get you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I might dictate your uh, outfit a little bit more, but apart from that, it sounds great. <laughs> Uh, We'll be back in two weeks' time with some more recommendations. Until then, you've been listening to... A man who knows much less about Orson Welles than he thought he did. A woman who just can't stop talking about cocks on a a podcast recording. (laughs) I'm sorry. A man who'll do his best not to get caught drunk in Illinois. A man who has exercised several sharks in his lifetime. (laughs) And a woman who would like to know what's next. We'll see you next time. Bye-bye.
Bye. Fuck off, Donald Trump. You're not president anymore. <laughs> <laughs>